beloved people, welcome back to the Word is Resistance podcast. My name is Seth Whispleway. I am a pastor in the United Church of Christ. I use he and him pronouns. I am speaking with you all from what is now Tucson, Arizona, located on the ancestral, occupied homelands of the Tohono O'odham Nation and its people, who have stewarded them for generations. What is this podcast, The Word is Resistance? The Word is Resistance is an offering of showing up for racial justice. The Word is Resistance is a weekly reflection, challenge, and encouragement designed for and directed primarily at white Christians. Each week, we explore what our sacred texts have to teach us as white people, compelled by the liberating story of Jesus, about showing up in solidarity to overcome tyranny, oppression, racism, and more. In other words, the word is resistance is, prayerfully, a conversation and resource for helping us truly live out our faith in the times we are living right now. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014 being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. I invite you now, wherever you are, to center yourself. Notice your body. Notice your breath. See if you can slow that breath a little. Gently inhale through your nose, pause, and then exhale it all out through your mouth. Repeat that a few times. Yes. That's good. Notice your body. Notice yourself. You are here. Here you are. You are present. Whether you are doing okay or haven't been doing okay, you are lovable. Welcome and hello to yourself. Breathe. Our guiding scripture this week comes to us from the gospel according to the author of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. We are in the Advent season, and women, prophets then and now, are bringing the word to us in word, song, and deed. Indeed, they always are, if we have ears to hear and spirits primed for manifesting that word. Listen now to the story that has come and is to come. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for God has looked 
with favor on the lowliness of her servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with her arm. She has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. She has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped their servant Israel in remembrance of her mercy according to the promise she made to our ancestors, to Abraham and the descendants forever. I'm going to be really honest with you all. When I first signed up on the Word is Resistance episode calendar for this week, I did not look to see what the lectionary text was. I didn't actually look until a week before this episode was published. And it was right around that time that I saw, liked, and retweeted a pair of messages from Cole Arthur Riley, who tweets under the handle Black Liturgist. She said this past week, quote, I take so much delight in the silence of the men in the Christmas story. Zechariah can't speak. Joseph doesn't speak. While the words and emotions of Mary and Elizabeth are unapologetically centered, the sound of Advent is the voice of women, end quote. Riley goes on to say in her Twitter thread, if your voice has historically taken up far too much space, maybe this Advent, practice a sacred silence. The silence of solidarity. Ooh, I love that. I agree with that. Indeed, it flows with so many of the themes, challenges, and encouragements espoused here at The Word is Resistance in our shared calling to dismantle systems of oppression, notably white supremacy and patriarchy, and yet, and yet I need to sit with those holy tweets, and not just because these are rich and loaded sacred texts we have this week, along with the preceding story about the now-muted Zechariah, I want and need to sit with this more as one of those named in the tweet, whose voice has historically taken up far too much space. As a cisgendered, aloe and heterosexual white man. Where am I located in this story and challenge? Am I located? Should I be? What if these aren't even the right questions? What if an animating question for me, for my fellow white men, is why would it actually be good news for us to be sent away? with nothing. So, obviously I'm still here, still doing the podcast episode that week, and while I didn't try to get out of my obligation, that 
would have also been an uncool thing to do, I did flail and check in with our spiritual and professional surge leader here at Word is Resistance, Reverend Ann Dunlap, who in our chat about tackling this text offered up that very animating question. Why would it actually be good news for white men to be sent away with nothing? And I'll add, what is that nothing? I want to suggest it's a nothing but. I want to suggest that as we sit with this sacred text, one sung out in the context of a patriarchal society living under the yoke of empire, that we reflect, my fellow white men, as inhabitants, participants, and beneficiaries of our own imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy, that is, our current lived reality here in the United States. It is us, fellow straight white men especially, who Mary is prophesying God will be sending away for the new life and world to come. More than that, we are being sent away so that the new life and world can come. This, very plainly, if we truly believe the good news, is why it's good that God is saying we will be sent away. We are participants in and the primary beneficiaries of this system, a system designed to spiritually, mentally, and physically denigrate, exploit, and violate all those who aren't us, explicitly to maintain our power and control. I hope all of us listening understand that this is explicitly antithetical to the promise of God's kingdom coming. Where does that leave us? With nothing but ourselves. We fellow straight white men must be liberated from the internal stranglehold this violence has on us so that we can prayerfully be active participants in liberation of all, especially those most impacted. Where to begin? By listening in silence. The noisy violence of patriarchy is an overwhelming cacophony all around us, but it's one we're trained not to hear, one we're trained to ignore. That's how it maintains its destructive power in so many ways. If we truly hear what's going on in today's sacred text, in Mary's Magnificat, we are sent away with nothing but ourselves, so we can sit in the solidarity of silence listening to women, listening to black and indigenous women, to all women of color, reflecting on what we learn and asking ourselves, do we want and have the love in our lives necessary to repent? That is to turn around towards the new way coming because spoiler alert, it's coming, beloved. And when I say we are sent away with nothing but ourselves, that can and does mean taking time in solitude. But solitude is different from isolation. We belong to one another. Our solitude times can, and I'd like to suggest must come with times of solidarity and accountability, including with other white men. We must build love amongst ourselves if we're to have any amount of stamina in the dismantling God and women need done 
because the system is indeed overwhelming much of the time and women and queer folks and people of color are so often focused on surviving it when not showing us the way to undo it. It's not their burden to completely liberate us and we should not be that burden when the facts, voices, and call is so clearly before us. In the so-called activist community, one thing that was of tremendous benefit to me in the aftermath of all we worked to confront and all the trauma our community experienced in Charlottesville in 2017 was the intentional yet organic formation of a group of us, mostly heterosexual white men, who had been intimately involved in that work. We recognized we had passed through a fire and were profoundly impacted. We were losing relationships, a huge trauma in itself, from prior friends and colleagues of ours who had told on themselves and doubled down on the status quo of white supremacist patriarchy, regardless of their liberal bloviations to the contrary. We also recognized, given our status as white men, that it was important that the pain we carried could easily take over and take up the vital space needed for the trauma healing needed by those the white supremacists most acutely threatened and attacked. Yes, we needed safe space, but also to ensure safe space was prioritized for our dear friends and comrades, because again, as briefly as possible, the prevailing reality is we live our lives in an imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. I take that perfect summation from the one and only Bell Hooks, who so sadly departed her time earthside with us this past week. I raise up her name, in large part because all here listening, whether we've encountered her before or just now, are called still to read and listen to her, full stop. I raise her name up also because as it happens, one of the things our cadre of men called ourselves in to do was read and listen together with a book of hooks as our guidepost. In addition to late nights of self-care playing old games on my Nintendo 64 and laughing and yelling together, we gathered at times to discuss ongoing chapters in The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love by Bell Hooks. We were, we are, called to challenge and encourage each other to dismantle the toxic seeds of patriarchy within us. Indeed, smashing patriarchy is self-care, beloved. Men in our society so desperately need to cultivate and know the love that Elizabeth and Mary know, the love that silences Zechariah and Joseph so they can better hear and understand, the love that brings down the powerful and lifts up the lowly, the love that has come, comes, and is to come the love that frees us all. The Magnificat is freedom for us too, and it's a song that sends men away to be converted so that we can be truly liberated agents of radical conversion in our relationships, communities, and this whole entire system. As Hook so expertly defines it, Patriarchy is a political social system that insists that males are inherently dominating, 
superior to everything and everyone deemed weak, especially females, and endowed with the right to dominate and rule over the weak and to maintain that dominance through various forms of psychological terrorism and violence, end quote. White Christians, with an ounce of conscience and even a squint of a view that sees this prevailing order, should want no part of this system. Moreover, we are explicitly called to actively confront it and manifest something else entirely. This is the good news we are given. We white men are brought down in Mary's song and God's good word by any and all of our roles in upholding and benefiting from this system. At the end of the day, we only have ourselves, and mostly we are not going to like what we see when we accept the truths of our own place and words and actions. That's okay. What's most important is what we do with what we hear, see, and need in the silence we are given. Remember, silence in this Advent season is what Zechariah needs, not just to center Elizabeth and Mary, but because he doubted the word and work of God. In Luke's account of the announcement of John's birth, the spotlight shines longest on Zechariah, the father-to-be, but brightest on Elizabeth, John's mother. There's something in here for us. We expect the centrality of the patriarch. We are seemingly given it, but as set up to the punchline. He doesn't get it, and he's silenced. Reverend Dr. Cheryl Lindsay leads the Faithfully Political podcast and is the writer and editor of Sermon Seeds, a weekly lectionary resource for pastors put out by the United Church of Christ. I'll link her Twitter handle here in the transcript. In this week's reflection, she powerfully reflects on a sentiment expressed by Cole Riley. Quote, Mary and Elizabeth aren't the first female prophets we encounter in the Bible. They follow in the tradition of Miriam, Deborah, and Huldah, names we know, as well as those we do not. While their placement in redemptive history remains prominent, we don't often refer to Mary and Elizabeth that way. We consider them mothers of prophets, but fail to acknowledge that the prophetic lineage that John the Baptist and even Jesus received was an inheritance gifted to them through their mothers. They are related by both blood and purpose and their joint prophecy found within this text amplifies their centrality in this story. Reverend Dr. Lindsay goes on pointing out how Mary doesn't share her news with her betrothed first, but her kin, the one she trusts most, and as we know, gets it the most. They are joining forces, in the words of Robert Brawley. In contrast to mute Zechariah, the women deliver the first speeches of consequence. As women in a patriarchal society, they are creatively transforming the space and relationships around them, and to come by inhabiting the prophet's role. How to best succinctly capture what that prophetic message is and what we can learn about Mary and the women spreading it then, now, and always? Mary is glad, joyful, exultant in sharing what she knows Christmas to be about, tearing down the powerful in order to lift up the marginalized, 
And it's about taking everything away from the rich in order to feed the poor, as Chuck McKnight sums it up so powerfully. Lindsay asks us, do we believe it? And to the extent that we believe in it, do we delight in anticipation of the fulfillment of promises of God, our liberator? My challenge to myself and to all white men listening to this episode is to sit and reflect on the solidarity of silence this Advent and Christmas season. I challenge us to read and discuss The Will to Change by Bell Hooks in the weeks and months ahead. My prayer and hope, starting with myself, is for that thing my own partner is good and lovingly yet strongly challenging me to cultivate far more deeply a posture of curiosity and wonder at the words, examples, and call of women, where my blockages are to that inherent curious posture, and how my own patriarchal impulses to police my own feelings and vulnerabilities get in the way of the humility, vulnerability, and actions that can and do liberate me and the women and femmes in my life. Patriarchy leaves a hole in us, we are not whole. Hooks speaks beautifully to this when she quotes a former partner of hers who was self-aware of what had been inculcated in him in this system. Quote, Something missing within was a self-description I heard from many men as I, heard, as I went around our nation talking about love. In a patriarchal culture, men have been taught that to love emasculates them to change, demotivating us to choose love when the choice means that they must stand against patriarchy, against the tyranny of the familiar. Hooks knows that women cannot and should not carry the burden of changing men, but like Mary is calling out for us to hear the affirmation and respect for those with the will to change, to connect, to love, and ultimately smash that patriarchy. Why would it actually be good news for white men to be sent away with nothing? By now, I hope we men are all realizing or have realized that the system we live, participate in, and benefit from has already filled us with a nothing. The good news for white men in the uplifted songs of Elizabeth and Mary and the silencing of men is a great revealing. What is revealed to us in the city of David this day is a structuring absence, one that we are called to fill with deep abiding love so that we can be in true and lasting solidarity with the women who were and are always bringing the word. That, beloved, is something we can make a joyful noise about when we embrace it. As Reverend Dr. Jill Richardson gifted us on Twitter this past week, and I want you to listen for the placement of her comma. Quote, God rest ye merry, gentlemen, unless you're upholding the patriarchy. Then you get to be uncomfy. Sitting in silence is supposed to make us uncomfy because we're taught our words and actions not only matter more, 
but also define who we are. This is a lie. We sit in silence to better know ourselves, notice the holes, and to listen to Mary, Elizabeth, the women in our lives, and the still-speaking God who are telling us how we get whole for the whole of humanity. As ever, lives, spiritual and physical, are on the line, including ours. Let's not be sent away empty. Reject the emptiness. Reject the emptiness of imperialist white patriarchy. Advent and angels invite us, white men, to be filled with solidarity in a holy silence. Let's get full. Let's get free. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We'd love to hear from you all, and especially folks of color and non-Christian folks, by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages, or filling out the survey on our podcast page at surge.org. That's S-U-R-J dot O-R-G. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you check out our podcast. You can find out more about Surge at Surge.org, where you can sign up for Surge Faith updates and find transcripts for every episode, which include references, resources, and action links. And finally, a huge thanks as always to our sound editor and a dear friend of mine, Claire Hitchens. Again, my name is Seth Wispelway. With deep gratitude and even a glimmer of hope as we continue to make this road by walking, I bless you forward with these words and modified Franciscan benediction. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at white supremacy and all injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, racism, misogyny, queerphobia, war, xenophobia, COVID-19, police violence, and more, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and embody solidarity until their pain is turned into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. I shine, yeah.